Welcome to the Become Here Project, a Des Moines Public Schools podcast. The podcast that shines a light on the incredible stories, initiatives, and achievements happening within Des Moines Public Schools. I'm your host, Amanda Lewis, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this educational journey. The Become Here Project is your backstage pass to Des Moines Public Schools. We'll bring you in-depth interviews with teachers, administrators, students, and community members who are making a significant impact on the lives of young learners. Through engaging conversations and thought-provoking discussions, we'll dive into topics like educational equity, fostering inclusivity, and preparing students for a rapidly changing world. We'll also explore the unique challenges and triumphs of our diverse student body, showcasing the creativity and determination that make our schools truly special. Whether you're a parent, a community member, an educator, or simply passionate about education, this podcast is your platform to stay informed and inspired. Tune in to the Become Here Project, a Des Moines Public Schools podcast, and become part of the journey, one episode at a time. Welcome to episode five of the Become Here Project, a Des Moines Public Schools podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Lewis. We have a full house today as we talk about virtual campus, Iowa's best online high school. So let's go around the room, share your name and your position with virtual campus. And we have a student here as well, share your grade and homeschool, if you would. Why don't we start with you, Praveen? Praveen Banakati, interim principal. Nadia Powell, current 12th grader with virtual campus. Dr. Tori Raby, one of the associate principals at Virtual Campus. Thank you all for coming in this morning. Virtual Campus has actually been around for quite a while, piloted in 2018 by 75 students. You guys were around before COVID, before virtual is cool, and here we are. And it's expanded quite a bit since then, Praveen. I'm going to let Dr. Raby speak a little bit more about you know, how the progression and the history of, of a virtual campus. But my experience with virtual campus was when we hit the 2020 COVID year. Um, and we had, we want to say it was 5,000 some high school students who wanted to be part of, of, of the high school network. And so I was at East at the time. And so it was an ask from all the brick and mortar high schools if they could volunteer folks to come over as associate principals to come over and help John Mendoza, who was the, the current principal to, to support virtual campus online. And so that was my first glimpse into the virtual learning experience was um, during that year. But prior to that, um, there was also just the virtual campus as well. And uh, at that time, I believe it was a program. Um, and so it was not yet an accredited, full, fully accredited high school, but it was an opportunity for students to learn and get credits in, a, in, an online, in an online way. And then after the COVID year happened, then it really started to turn into a learning option for middle school and high school students. And we earned our accreditation through the state and all those um, necessary things. And I'm going to let Dr. Raby speak to, to that piece because she was an assistant principal when, when that was all happening. It was a program in 2018, and between 2018 and 2021, we did become an accredited. We are the sixth accredited high school in the Des Moines Public Schools, and proudly, we were the 11th middle school. So we were credentialed for sixth through 12th grade. We did serve middle school students for two years, and that since has changed, and now we are back to serving only 9-12. So it is a great, flexible program, um, high school option um, for our students who um, want to choose to learn in a virtual learning modality. 
And tell just touch briefly on middle school. It was there for a little while, and then it went away. Is that just um, not enough interest among middle school students, or parents were a little hesitant at that age? What What did you think was behind kind of the trying it out and then having it kind of back off a little bit? Well, I would say more than anything, it was um, budgets that caused for the middle school to be closed. And so with the budget constraints that we have right now in the Des Moines Public Schools and that reality, we have lost the ability to serve the sixth through eighth grade. It was a viable and great option for some students who needed that flexible modality. And it was sad to see it go. But I think most of the reason was because the staffing that we were able to budget for just did not work out in the Des Moines schools, and so we had to close that middle school portion. Have you seen the 6th and 8th graders who were involved at that time? Are, are they joining you now that they're in high school? We do have some that stayed with us. We do have a great um, percentage of students that do remain at virtual campus once they have come to us. It's not for everybody, and there are some who go back to in-person learning, but at the same time, we do have a lot that choose us and stay with us. Tell me a little bit about that. So um, how does it compare to in-person learning? At Virtual Campus, we run the same bell schedule as the brick-and-mortar buildings, um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, 825 to 325. Um, there's eight periods a day. On Wednesday, we do have what we call charger days, which is an asynchronous day where um, teachers still have – we still have eight periods a day, and teachers use the, the, that day for interventions and enrichment and support. So um, students have the opportunity to meet with their teachers – on a one-on-one -on -one small group basis on that Wednesday, get the support that they need. Um, and then the remainder of the week is their your regular eight-period schedule. Um, and so we follow all the, the SRG guidelines, the um, district-supported curriculum, the um, developed curriculum that is in, in the 9 through 12 core content areas and the extended core. And um, yeah, and we support students with IEPs and students with, who require ELL services up to a certain point. Um, and when I say a certain point, they have to have a certain ELPA score for us to, to be able to serve them. And same thing with certain students with IEPs. They have to have a certain um, accommodations that we can accommodate in a virtual setting, too. So, um, yeah, so we support right now about 375 students. Um, and, yeah, we operate very much like a brick-and-mortar high school with the exception of not being in person, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, Nadia can tell us more about that. Nadia, what is the school day like? Um, it's pretty simple, to be honest. So you just log on, you talk to your teachers, you talk to your classmates, you do your assignments. And I don't know, It's I really enjoy it. It's easy to work with with my schedule. I have a job in the morning, so virtual is the best option for me. I can hop on and do stuff while I'm either leaving there or transporting to my next place of work that I need to be at. Or I also take classes at Central Academy and campus. So it helps with my transportation schedule and just being a part of all these different school settings is just amazing. It's a great opportunity to be able to learn in all those different settings, whether that be online or in person with those classes. Was it a little bit scary going from in-person classes to all virtual? A little bit. I started virtual as a ninth grader because that's when COVID happened. So I was a little used to that aloneness, I guess. You, you're just kind of in your own little bubble at home and you hop on and stuff. But I did miss the in-person type stuff. So I it was a bit of a change, but it's something that I really enjoyed getting back into. So, What do you like most about it? 
it's like a big family. It's this huge loving community that accepts everybody. And it's just, it's a big family. That's all I can really say about it. The individual classes, is it um, is it like logging onto um, a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting? Yeah, it's Teams. So you log on, you turn your camera on, you use your microphone or you type in the chat anyway. How It's different based on how each teacher runs their classroom. But yeah, that's how you do it. You raise your hand. There's little raise hand icons and everything. So yeah. So it's very similar to being in a classroom. Yeah, you just use your computer more often. Very good. Any troubles connecting from home or you everything's been running smoothly? No, everything's been running really smoothly this year. I feel each year it always gets better. And one thing that's gotten amazingly better since freshman year has been internet connection. So the district has worked very hard on making sure those computers work. So Now you can participate in extracurricular activities at your home high school. And I put that in quotes because you may never step foot in your home high school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a part of uh, my home school would be North. That's the one I would have gone to. And I part like I did basketball. I do softball and I do soccer. And I'm thinking about maybe joining bowling. We'll have to see. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's nice. You get to meet. You, ha- you get to have your friends at virtual and then you get to integrate yourself into your home school that you would have been to and you get to meet lots of different people. And they're also so welcoming for you to like join any other things that they do. Like you can go to the homecoming or you can go to the prom or anything. It's very open and very connected. I do want to add Nadia's uh, a leader in our in our in our student council who's about ten to twelve students strong. Mm-hmm. And that group works very closely with uh, Gretchen Critelli, our um, community schools coordinator, and they put on monthly events. And we have good turnouts for, for those events where it's just a, an opportunity for community and teachers come out and participate with the students. Like, for example, um, in October, we had a Halloween homecoming, which was just a, a Halloween party. Um, <laughs> and it, it was a lot of fun. And um, the kids really got into it and got to hang out. And then, you know, next month, we're going to have an event called Donuts and Dodgeball, where we get to... Um, play dodgeball and have donuts and just have community in that space. So each month we have something like that. And the community and the student council um, are the group that leads that. It's amazing. It sounds just like it's it's like high school. It's just like regular high school. Yeah. Only a lot more variety, actually, is what it sounds like. Yeah, it's it's been a great experience. I do have to say overall 10 out of 10. So definitely <laughs> would do it again if I can. That's a good endorsement. That's a very good endorsement. Have you done all uh, all four years? Yep. Yeah, so freshman is when I started, and I just really enjoyed it. So I sought out uh, virtual for sophomore and then through senior year. And, yeah, it's just it's been great. That's fantastic. What is your enrollment like this year, number-wise? Currently around 370. 370. Okay, and all high school. Very good. Is it spread evenly, or do you have one grade um, that's kind of— We're we're mostly juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. And so we have a really strong recruitment effort right now going out to support middle school counselors and those teams to see if we can get more folks coming into us as freshmen who want to be part of the virtual virtual experience. And also we do take open enrollments from out of the out of the city, um, but you have to live in Iowa. But we do offer open enrollment in. And so um, that's always an opportunity, too. So some examples, too, of students that we support are some athletes who are maybe quote-unquote in the elite level, for example, like Des Moines Buccaneers hockey players who are traveling and practicing all the time, they can participate in virtual campus on a different type of contract than the traditional synchronous model. Um, we also have a young person who is, again, they're a Johnson resident, but they are living in Columbus, Ohio, attending a ballet academy. And so they're able to do their ballet 
academy workshops, but also be part of our schooling here too. So um, we do have a lot. We do have flexibility for students in their in their certain circumstances as well. Yeah. So if your residency is here inside the state, you can attend virtual campus. Yeah. I mean, based on the certain requirements that I spoke to earlier. Yeah. For those of you at home who are thinking, hmm, this sounds like a good idea, you can go to virtualcampus.dmschools.org to learn a lot more about virtual campus. There's also contact information there if you want to talk to somebody at virtual campus. Um, Is there an opportunity? Are there mixers throughout the year where potential students can meet current students? That might be a student council opportunity. <laughs> uh, we have different things. So like uh, this past fall, we had a fall fest and anybody was welcome to come to that within the district. And we just play games, eat food. You get to meet people. Um, I'm assuming that we'll be doing another one in the spring. We did one last year. So I think those would be two great opportunities to come and check out what it would be like. Any struggles getting people to see the value of virtual education? I know that during COVID, virtual education kind of, you know, it got it got a bad reputation in there um, just because of some of the politics that were going on. So I was curious if that impacted virtual campus at all or if or if you haven't had any issues with that at all. I'm going to speak to a part of it and I'm going to let Dr. Raby speak to another part, her, her perspective as well. Um, from my perspective, I think it's just having folks in our in our district and our our state just understand what how we operate what we're about i think there's just some different conceptions around what virtual campus is and what um the experience is for students um i don't know how many folks understand like the bell schedule we are just we we've operate in the same bell schedule we offer the same mostly the same course catalog all the same things in the brick and mortar settings um and we are live sessions we're not asynchronous we're not um work at your own pace, those kinds of things. So I think just those misconceptions can certainly, I shouldn't say certainly, but can sometimes um, create barriers to folks maybe wanting to learn more about it because they, they just internalize like, oh, this is what virtual is and this is what I know, but here is really what it's all about. And so I'll let Dr. Raby speak a little bit more to that. I think during COVID, our elementary students did um, some virtual learning, and it does not look anything like what virtual campus looks like. And so I would encourage our current um, parents and guardians to look at virtual campus as a viable online option. So with Edgenuity, I know that our K-5 students were at home, and they did have to have a learning partner with them at home that could help them, and they were on an online platform that was pretty much asynchronous, or there was not a lot of interaction Ours, like Mr. Bonacati said, is completely and totally different. Our students are live. They're online with their teachers. Like Nadia said, they need to have their cameras on. They need to have their mics on. And it's an engaging environment. So that is something that I think is a misconception that's out there, especially with some of our younger students. The other thing that I would talk about is that there is some politics behind it. And when you mentioned that, when you hear about a virtual environment on the news or other places, they talk about learning loss and that students should be in school. And I would encourage anybody to look at virtual campus as an option and an engaging option where learning is happening every day. And so while students are not choosing in-person modalities, there's many reasons why they're not choosing an in-person modality. However, they are getting a quality education at virtual campus. We are an accredited high school and it is a viable option for, for students. And in-person learning is is you know, right for some students and virtual learning is a better flexible model for other students. 
There are a lot of ways to reach out to Virtual Canvas. You've made yourselves very available. Uh, what is the best way for someone who doesn't know a lot about virtual learning to learn more? I mean, I would say visiting our website first would be our website's really nicely laid out. It has um, links to learn more about us, to enroll, to all the events that we have, senior activities, student activities, as everything on there that you want to learn about virtual campus. So my suggestion would be first go to the website. Um, and then second would be just to email myself, Dr. Raby, or Miss Sheila Brown, who's our other associate principal, with any other questions that you might have. We also have a wonderful office staff, Miss Heather Meninga. She is wonderful and, and can let you know about all the things that you may, any questions that you may have by just by calling us. And yeah, I think those would be some of the best options to to start learning more about us. But I would definitely start with the website first. And if you have further questions, to email myself, Dr. Raby, Ms. Brown, or call us um, at virtual as well. Can you enroll at the semester, or do you have to start at the beginning of the year? We do take um, students at the semester on case-by-case -case basis. Um, we prefer to have students enrolled for the whole year, mm -hmm. but we certainly take a look at students at the semester as well. What are you most looking forward to at Virtual Campus as you look toward the future? I would say growing and expanding and letting folks in our community just know that this is, as Dr. Raby said, a viable option for learning and what we're all about. Um, this year we're having more exposure with our district leadership coming in and observing classrooms with us and seeing what we're all about and they're giving us some new insights and I think that's a, a big piece for me is just to, to grow and expand and for folks to see the experiences that Nadia has just talked about, right, at virtual campus, that it's not fully <laughs> an isolated space. We do have opportunities for um, students to thrive and belong in different spaces outside of their virtual classroom. I think for me, it's I'm really looking forward to growth and expanding and ensuring and continuing our, our thriving belonging environment. I would say that the thing that I look most forward to is the support that we're getting from the district. I think that that is um, something where we love the outside feedback that we're getting, and we really, truly appreciate the support that we heard from Dr. Roberts about virtual campus. And so just that continual um, learning about what our modality looks like and what supports that are a little bit different. You know, all of the departments, you know, if I talk Director Irie or if I talk about, you know, um, some of the other ones like Director Corley, they all have a perspective um, now of virtual campus that they might not have had in the past. And so that's been something that has been very, very helpful to virtual campus. Has educating the administration been a challenge over the years? I think it 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 was. The misconceptions were there, I think, even in administration. I think that, you know, even being a, you know, Praveen and I started out at, at virtual during the year of COVID. And I think that if we would talk about what it's different now than what was then, we're amazed by the, the changes or the learning that has had to take place. Even being an administrator at virtual campus, you have to learn to lead in a different way. Teaching and learning looks completely different. Student engagement looks completely different. And we have some of the same challenges that they have in in-person learning. Our challenges just look a little bit different. The one thing I would like to just put in there is that there are some in-person requirements to be a virtual student. So the state of Iowa does require that when we take state assessments such as the ISASP, the ELPA 21, the ACT or AP testing, all of those are required to be done in person in a proctored setting. 
So there will be about five or six times a year that students will need to come into Central Campus to fulfill some of those obligations. So I just wanted to throw that in there before our time was up. Sure. And if you are um, participating in virtual learning because of um, perhaps there's some anxiety or something along um, that, that is a barrier to participating fully in a, in a full classroom, um, do you have accommodations when you come in for those exams to be uh, in a little kind of reduced anxiety setting for those students? Are you talking about for the, for the, the in-person for, testing? For the, yeah, the required ones where you have to come in. So students are at home going, oh, I don't know if I want to be able, want to have to come in. Um, do you have accommodations for those students when they... I would say that we would test um, just like we would in any other test. We would have the overall plan for testing. And then, as always, an IEP or a 504, they do make for accommodations for smaller group setting, extended time, those types of things. And then in the end, we always work with families to make sure. We are a comprehensive high school, so we do have that tier one plan, if you would, um, that most of our students will test in that large group environment. Um, but other than that, we do make those accommodations on a case-by-case -case basis, and we do follow an IEP or a 504. And to that point, too, not necessarily to that point, but the, 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 the question around students who have anxiety or any type of social and emotional um, barriers, we have two very skilled counselors um, Ms. Stofa and Ms. Gumpert-Schmidt, who are wonderful at what they do, and families and students reach out to them constantly, and they're always in conversation with them, and they get all the support that they can get within <laughs> their job description from them. And also, we have two academic interventionists who are also there to help support as well. So it's not that, um, yes, we do have our Tier 1 approach, but also we have other supports as well at Tier 2 that, that can help students in, when they need certain supports. So I think that's an important thing for families to know as well. Good, good. Nadia, what's your elevator pitch for virtual campus? It's, it's just amazing. If you're having any ideas about joining, might as well and try it out and you're just going to fall in love with it. I know I did and I hope everybody else does that tries it. It's such a great opportunity to have a different type of learning setting. When you're learning, it's, it's benefiting your learning. So it's just amazing. I don't even know what else to say about it. It's just great. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you all for coming in. I really appreciate this. And I think we have uh, we've shared information that hopefully we've uh, reached a few people this morning who are thinking about what they might like to do for next year. And enrollment's open right now, right? Uh, yeah. So if, you, if you're interested, um, you can go to our website and enroll for second semester. And especially if you're outside of Des Moines, you can always open enroll into our district and then enroll with virtual campus as well. Very good. Thank you all. I really appreciate it so much. This is the Become Here Project, a Des Moines Public Schools podcast. And we learned all today about virtual campus, Iowa's best online high school, in episode five. Everybody have a great day. Go Chargers. Go Chargers. <laughs> <laughs>